harmony and peace and the sun will once again rise up in the east. Ink Pulp Audio Part 2 with one Daisy. Part 2 with one Doe for the hip-hop illiterate. I've been told that my hip-hop lingo is not current. Well, I'm becoming old. And that's just how it is. And that's something that I didn't think would ever bother me or affect me, but it does. You start seeing the 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 other side of the hill. So today we're getting down with Juan Doe, part two, where we tell the Juan Doe story. Now, uh, I want you to pay attention, because speaking of hip-hop lingo, one thing I noticed when interviewing him was when we got into the Juan Doe story, away from the, the Ken story, the way he spoke, not all the time, but his speech patterns changed. He did start to talk about Wando in the third person a little bit. And when he did does that, you'll notice there's a lot more hip-hop influence in his speech. And by hip-hop, I mean um, lingo, slang, whatever you want to call it. And even his speech patterns changed. I found that fascinating. And after the interview was done, I, I said to him, did you... Do you know that when you would talk, you would start talking differently? He had he had no idea. This was a subconscious thing. So I I, th- I look at these two parts, and look, this is not th- this is a strange coincidence for me that I'm releasing these as June episodes. I'm a June birthday. I'm a Gemini. This podcast is the Gemini podcast. Shows two sides to the same person. Uh, it gets into the the creative mind, and I, I don't know. It's just, I find it fascinating. Um, I hope you do, too. I'm not going to keep you long here on part two, so let's get busy. All right, welcome to Ink Pulp Audio Part 2. Uh, we've gone over Ken's career. Now we're going to get into the birth of Juan Doe. <laughs> so uh, you moved into the apartment. Yes, so uh, uh, this was after my crash and burn at D.C. For all intents and purposes, I thought my career was over in comics. I wasn't even thinking about it. You know, I just said, fuck it. I just moved out. You know, I didn't know where I was going to get any money. Uh, I had said I had committed to a trip to Europe. Um, soon after I had separated from my fiance, I just bought a ticket to go to Europe and then sure, <laughs> sure. Know, I was like, I'm just going to like cathartic. Yeah. Yeah. So I had this trip coming up and I had no money and I'm living in this apartment in Queens with a, like a mattress and a, and a TV. Um, and I'm basically there for like may- maybe like a, a couple of weeks. And then, uh, I'm like, I really don't know where I'm going to make like any money. And then out of nowhere, I get a call from Marvel, specifically Matt Idelson. 
Okay. Who at the time, I don't know if that's like early on in his, in yeah, his career. Yeah, he was probably working under Martz at the time. That's when I yeah. met him. So uh, he like called me up and basically they, they wanted to know if I'd be interested in penciling Kazar. Okay. Uh, after one of the Cuberts was doing it. Right. I'm so terrible. I don't remember which one. But one of the, the, the Cuberts was doing Kazar, and I think he was leaving. So they were looking for a penciler to fill in. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, this is great. So I guess they had seen some of the work I had done. Uh-huh. I don't think they had seen the DC stuff because I think that still hadn't come out yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I think maybe I still, I still had some of the, the, the older work out there. But um, there, I ended up- there is that buffer period yeah. where you can fuck something up and line up your next job before that fuck right. up either comes out or word gets around. Exactly. And you can redeem yourself <laughs> from that before it even happens. Well, you know, um, this is really interesting because they asked me to do a test piece. And basically, dude, like, I- I'll be honest with you, to this day, I think it's one of the best pieces I've ever done. Oh really? I'll find it. I'll show it to you. Okay. Like, like I have it somewhere. I want to see it. It, it. It's a Kazar piece that I did. It's Kazar the 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 Zabu. Is that the uh, tiger? The saber uh, tooth tiger? I, for, I forgot. And the chick that's like the the Jane of right. uh, Shira. I forgot her name. God, I'm terrible. <laughs> but uh, with like a giant dinosaur, and I did this like splash page. Uh huh. And dude, I put like my heart and soul into that piece. Yeah. And I gotta say, dude, like I brought it in, and they gave me the gig. Okay. So I just did like this one sample piece. And this actually, you know, uh, I really want to emphasize how I thought this was my second chance. Uh-huh. You know, I got a call from Marvel. So this is still pre-Wando. This is still pre-Wando. Okay. This, is, this is still like, this is actually kind of where, where I really discovered my true meaning of myself at that time. Okay. So uh, I got the gig and all of a sudden, yo, my trip to Europe is on, son. Like, <laughs> I got right. a book, so, you know. So I had like a month to do it. So was it just one issue they gave you? No, no, no. It was. Uh, it was. It ended up being. It was six issues. Okay. So and it was Christopher Priest. Okay. Um, who I loved his Quantum and Woody stuff. Uh-huh. So I I didn't know him. I mean, we worked at Valiant. You know, when he was doing Quantum and Woody, I was doing Troublemakers. But uh, uh, man, his stuff was amazing, dude. So when I got his script, all of a sudden I got this like resurgence of energy, and I'm like, you know what, man, this is Marvel. This is like you know my dream place. I'm like, yo, this is Kazar. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna like go to town, you know. And and I think that first issue that 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 like I think I really put like my heart and soul into that first Kazar issue, you know. And then. Um, it came out good, and I think like, they like liked it. And then I ended up getting a check, and then I went to to Europe. And and it's funny because while I was in Europe, I w- I was drawing like the second issue. Okay, of, I was going to ask about that <laughs> of, of, of Kazar. So it was interesting because I got a taste even at that time of in essence what like my lifestyle is now. Right, just kind of like you know I was I was in another country, and here I am drawing like Kazar pages in Paris, and then mailing them out from Amsterdam through FedEx. Wow, you know, so it was like a really interesting like 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 experience but i realized quickly with the kazar thing that i was also doing a disservice to myself because what started happening was that i did the first book i think in such a expedient time frame that every you know it was like the tight it seemed to be like a tighter deadline like every issue right yeah well, that's and, and then basically by the time i got to the middle of like this kazar series I was back to being in a really bad shape. Like, oh, really? Like, yeah. Like, 
all, all of a sudden, like I had promised, I had made promises like I couldn't keep. Like, yeah, yeah, this I, is I can a lot do, of like, people, a book though. in a week. You know, I can do a book in a week. Right. You know, and, and right, right. you know, and, and the thing is that I, I did it, but please. No, I was just saying, this is a lot of people. It's like so many friends of mine, they start strong, but they burn at about yeah. issue four. You just get crushed. Yeah. And, yeah. and you hit that, that burnout. And I think it takes time to build up the endurance. It's yeah. something you don't think about as an it's artist true. that. There's this idea of endurance. You think of yeah. that as just an athletic thing. It's true. But you, but it, you do have to build that up. Absolutely. Because yeah. I even noticed after only doing like oversized issues or two issue arcs that yeah. getting to issue three on that mini I did was like, good God, I've never gone huh. this long on something. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's definitely true. You know, and I had that initial experience with Troublemakers where it was like a good, you know, like nine months straight of, yeah. of, of like work. So I got used to that grind. And I got so good at it that I ended up getting, like, fast, you know. Wow. And, and, yeah, and, that's what happens. You know, so I did this, like, first, like, Kayser book. And then what – everything kind of, like, compressed. And honestly, you know, I, I remember being in, in a position where, like, I'm just never going to do this on time. And I just became a hack, dude. I started just aping and copying and fingers from this artist, poses from that artist, uh-huh. you know. And, and I just literally became a hack, dude. You were like, in survival mode. I was in survival mode. I didn't – you know, I was like, I got to get this book in, you know, this is like, you know, all of a sudden, so all of a sudden I'm like stressing, you know, and I'm like towards the end of this like Kazar run. And at this point, like I knew the series was over, you know, like everyone knew it was over. So I think we were just like finishing off this like series. Right. And I was like, you know, I, I finished it off, but I, I think I knew that at that point I was done with comics. Like uh-huh. officially, I was officially like, this you, is not what I wanted. You were done with it personally. Personally, yeah. Right. This is not what I wanted. I didn't want to, you know become this because I, I had seen those guys the the fringe dudes right the, the dudes that are like going to all the events and yeah. all the they're always like there looking for scraps of right work or and, the, yeah yeah you know and then if you if you fall into that bad trap of being known for your speed yeah you know, that's a, that's yeah that can be a real problem you know and, and and at that time i think i was just part of that system where they were producing a lot of material maybe not all of it was really that good you know but i i just uh uh you know, it was just wasn't for me. You know, and right? Like, like and you know what? And that's not even true. Like, I gave it one last little burp after this Marvel thing, where I went to San Diego uh, and I went to Chicago Comic Con to see if I could like get more work. Uh-huh. You know, um, but uh, uh, like nothing really happened. I ended up having a a, a great sort of uh, experience with with Joe Casada in between that. Okay. And, and that actually really helped me, A, realize I wasn't going to do comics, and B, just kind of move forward and be, like, happy with, like, what I was doing. So it was, it was like, really interesting. It was, it was What a, happened with Joe? It was, like, a, a weird thing. After Kazar, I basically I was like, look, I'm not going to really do com- – I did give it one last shot. I, I did go to San Diego and to and just Wizard Chicago um, mm-hmm. that year. And, um, and I had, like, my Kazar stuff and I had, like, my Troublemaker stuff. And I and in Chicago, I actually went up. This is when when they were doing um, event comics. It was a uh, Palmiotti mm-hmm. and, and Casada. Yeah. It was Ash. Yeah. So yeah. they had like their own thing going on. Right. So um, I ended up uh, like getting to show Joe some of my work, and he was and he had worked at Valiant. Um, right. I be, like kind of before I got there, what he like had done like Ninja. Yeah, yeah. So he, you know, was regarded in, in, at, at the Valiant stable. Obviously, everyone knew Joe Quesada at the time. He was pretty big already. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but he, he saw my work, and man, 
he gave me like this like super encouragement. He actually asked me to like do a piece for for like he asked if I was going to be in San Diego. I was like, yeah. He's like, yo, do like an ash piece for me, you know. So I was like, yo, awesome. So I went home and. This is the other piece that I did at that time that I would consider one of the best pieces that I've ever done, right. even now, <laughs> you know. And this was like this ash piece. I went like – so this was like each – you know, I, I crash and burn at DC. Then I do this like Kazar one shot. And it was like, oh. Then I do Kazar. I fall off. And then I get this opportunity, you know, to like do something. So I do this crazy, super awesome ash piece for myself, you know what I mean, for, uh, for, for uh, Joe. And I end up showing it to him at San Diego. And it was like awesome, dude. Like he like showed it, and like all these people were like around it, and and basically uh, it turned out that at that time he lived like two blocks away from me. Mm-hmm. Like I lived on Twenty Seventh Street and Second uh, Avenue. He lived like on Twenty Fifth and Second Avenue. So uh, he actually invited me over uh, to 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 his crib uh, to p- talk about like potential projects, and we actually did. Like I think he was he was maybe trying to get something off the ground and maybe uh-huh. have me involved. But I, I remember going and, like, seeing, like, his work, and we, like, chatted a little bit. And he was just, even then, like, just very, like, knowledgeable, you know, right. about this this game and this, like, industry. And he just made me feel really good, like, because I think I did that Ash piece on some art shit. Like, you know, uh-huh. I, I felt like I got the, the art love. Right, you know? And right. I think that's kind of what I needed. But then I also felt that, like, this is how I kind of want to go out. Okay. Like, I didn't really want to go so out. See, this was your swan song. I'm, yeah, not, I'm yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, Like, I, I kind of felt like I got a little bit of praise from, from the, and this is like even before he blew it all up, you know, right. the, with the Marvel days or whatever. This is when he was just kind of doing his own thing, you know. So I had a lot of respect for him. And, and I, I actually related to him because I think we were, like, he's from Queens. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think even when I was at Valiant, he was someone that, that I was always like, oh, he's fucking cool, dude, and he's awesome. Right. You know, so I, I remember. Just, just, just thinking. You know what? This is cool, man. I'm gonna like just step away, and that was it. And I, I completely did. You never tell bothered. him that? Like, no, 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 no. This was just kind of like you know, I, I, you know, like communication probably just like stalled after that. Right, right, right. Not so active the way it is today. So I just remember like that was it, dude. I'm, I'm kind of done with comics. I was um, 24 years old, 25 years old. Okay, and um, and this is after Europe. Uh, this was actually, um, this was right. Yeah. It was, it was that summer. Okay. So you had just gotten back. Yeah. 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 All right. So let's go, let's rewind to Europe. What else was going on other than, yeah, I mean, things were obviously happening like at the same time when I went to Europe, um, you know, I kind of like whatever, let go, you know, uh, I just indulged in, in, particulars that I had never done before. I had never drank. I had never really done anything. Well, okay, so you're pretty straight-laced until Europe. Pretty much straight-laced. And you and let it all out I just kind of like let it go, and I was like, I really didn't care. I dyed my hair blonde. I bought a fake Rolex. This is after the divorce collapse. Yes. I mean, the, the engagement collapse. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. And this is after... Uh, well, this is actually in the middle of Kazar. So the, the okay. ironic thing is that when I came back, I had already developed this new mindset, and, okay. it, and it really did come down to like the art. Especially because I was, like, hacking shit. Oh, right, right. So let's talk about that experience where you had that epiphany. Yeah, no, uh, you know, I went over to to Europe, and I had always been into, obviously, I studied art and, like, the masters and stuff. So went to Paris, and, you know, we went to, like, these, like, bookstores, and we were looking at all this, like, amazing European art. Then uh, when I went to Amsterdam, I went to to Lambeck, the, uh, like, famous comic book store where Uh they, like 
really have some amazing work there. So I was exposed to just like quality stuff, you know, like like this. It was good for me to to see like just the good art and not worry about the industry and trying to make comic books. So uh, when I went to Rome, I ended up going to see the Sistine Chapel. So straight up, first time I like ever dropped mushrooms was that was the Sistine first Chapel. time. Yeah. All right, so what had you done so and far on this trip? You drank for the first time? I drank for the first time. Uh, I smoked pot for the first time. And that was it. I actually did, okay. did, didn't go past that. Okay. And then mushrooms. Okay. So the <laughs> so, first time you do mushrooms, you're in the Sistine I'm in Chapel. Sistine Chapel, dude. Tell me about that. Oh, that was it, dude. That was it. That, that, was, <laughs> it. that, that, that was totally it, dude. It was, uh, uh, man, dude. Uh, like those images were obviously, you know, what you would associate with someone who's on that kind of narcotic. You right. Know, they're moving. They're like talking to you. But I, I just got this sense of like the the real power of art again. And mm-hmm. I remember, you know, after that like experience, which was mind blowing and yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's mind blowing anytime. You know, so if you're gonna do that for the for the for the first time, you know. Um, this is before, like, this is way back, so, you know, I can't be held accountable <laughs> for, sure, sure. for uh, anything. But, yeah, no, it was, uh, the epiphany for me was just, like, yo, dude, just, like, forget about any kind of sense of art in the commercial arena uh-huh. and just go, like, explore that feeling. So when I came back, I wrapped up, like, whatever, like, I already knew it was over at then. So, like, I think I wrapped up whatever the last few issues I was doing for Marvel and I went through, I did this whole thing with San Diego and I saw mm-hmm. Joe or whatever. And then that was like the end. And then. See, uh, hallucinogens, anyone who's done them backs us up. They change something in you. They kind of open your mind to something. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like a, a key yeah. is unlocked, a door, and now things are just a little bit different. You look at things a little bit different. In a very healthy way. No. I don't think it's in, in in a negative way in any sense. No, no. And and in fact, it was really the the beginning of you could say like my hippie days. You know, where right? Uh, yeah, for I, everyone. For, yeah, you know, yeah, when because, I got back, yo, I was like smoking pot and I was like drinking forties and like I wasn't. I, I never fucked with that. In fact, I had grown up completely, you know, wanting to avoid that because everyone I grew up with was doing that. I was smoking right. blunts and drinking 40s. I just didn't fuck with it. It just right. wasn't... My, my, I had so much energy to fucking begin with. Right. But I think once I kind of, like, let myself sort of engage in that, it also meshed with... Because I was, I was with a lot of creative people. Mm-hmm. And they weren't comic book artists. They were just, like, artists, artists, or mm-hmm. whatever. And that ended up, like, sparking a whole other part of myself that I had really never realized was there in regards to art and what it meant and what the exploration of it was you know so it was uh the beginning you know so like the the transition period goes from like okay i I leave like comics to then i'm just like a painter now all right so after the joke is out of thing now you're just you're just gonna create you're not even gonna define what it is nothing no no predispose anything and then i kind of let sort of life guide me, you know, and it was actually, and this is actually something that I do. I really almost, I, I, I read the, the, the tea leaves of life. That's you know? good. And I, I'm not afraid to make a decision, even if it maybe goes against what you think would work. Yeah. You see, know? that's where I'm finally at now. Yeah. And I realize how much that was holding me back, mm-hmm. not taking the risks or following yeah. what felt like I should yeah. do, but playing it safe and, yeah. Putting everything else—it's funny. Putting everything else before yourself, mm-hmm. you think is 
the right path. Um, and, and, and to some extent it is, but I fi- I'm finding that putting myself included in mm-hmm. that, not in front of it, but included with it, yeah. I, I'm making more gut decisions yeah. that are improving everything. Wow. No, I mean, th- listen, I, I think for artists to get to that point where you let the gut guide you, that's the hardest thing to let go. Yeah, it is. But those are the people that succeed. Yeah, you know, and we get frustrated as as creators, you know, again, this is only like now an introspection and maybe some of it makes sense, but it's, uh, we keep thinking that we're in control of this stuff. We keep thinking that we are the manifestors of this art, of, of this creations. And I'm starting to realize it's not, that we are guided by some kind of like desire that you know, puts forth, you know, these So you feel like a images. vessel. Absolutely, absolutely. And, okay. and I think I... It's interesting because I've come to a, 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 a sort of similar mindset, but in a different way. I, I've, I felt like I was always so concerned with control where I had to make everything perfect, every mark yeah. perfect, every, every panel composed perfectly. Mm-hmm. So I had taken out everything that happens in... Wow. In a sketchbook, all of the playtime yeah. was not in my artwork. Huh. And, I, and while people are responding to it, and technically I stand by it, mm-hmm. I'm doing stuff now where I'm throwing all of that out the window. Yeah. And like now when I sit down to ink, there's a lot less pencil on that mm-hmm. page. But when I sit down to ink, it's playtime, right. not control the, the huh. brush time. Good. And Good. so... I don't know that I feel like there's a vessel guiding me, but mm-hmm. I feel like my instincts are all I'm following. Now, I'm not thinking. Right, I'm right. instinct. And, and that could just very well be the same interpretation yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Of, of, of this feeling. Because you know, I don't want to get all like spiritual or, or esoteric or, or, or any other kind of, of definition of what guides us. You know, I know that we're beings that, that are involved in physical action. We have a certain reality that's presented in front of us. You know, and it's up to us to do something within that that kind of satisfies whatever those crazy feelings are, you know? Sure. And most people are unhappy because they don't know how to address those feelings. Yes. We all have them. We just don't know how do I do what I love. Right, right. I don't know what I love, you know? So these things, so we end up doing shit because we have to and to provide for things that we don't want to do. And And that creates a lot of... Unfulfillment. Absolutely, you know? And I feel lucky to say that even though I've gone through a lot of like personal turmoil as an artist i've always known that i was an artist right you know, it's it's where i fell in the yeah. universe that i wasn't necessarily sure have you, you ever know? felt like what the fuck am i doing absolutely and i feel it all the time now and then you know so this, this is actually like really interesting because it, uh, it's just allowing me to like remember some of these these like feelings and this like transition period because you gotta understand that for a long period of time after this comic books were dead to me Okay. They just did not exist. I didn't even like. I literally abandoned like anything that had to do. So, with, like, what comics. were you doing during this time? After? So, uh, you know, this is the the sort of like genesis of what ended up becoming this like Wando thing. You okay, know, which is that um, after after I left comics, I basically got back into graphic design. So, I got back into computers, and I end up basically saying, I have to get a job now. Like okay. I just had, I gotta go get a job. I literally had you spent time just creating for the fuck of it before that. Well, I, at that point, I had begun to like paint. Okay. So I, I was doing like small canvases in in my apartment, and and that that work was like whatever the 
exploration period at that moment was like I was just messing around with oils and canvases and were you using any spray paint at this um, point? I was using some spray paint. I okay. was using like like you know it was I was definitely trying to do some painting stuff. I didn't know what. I didn't know exactly what. But I was I was fooling around with stuff. So like I'm doing more of that as this comic book stuff is ending, and then I just decide again to let me get back into computers. Now that whole period that I had been in comics, I was out of computers. So all of a sudden, even at that time, be, being out of the game for like two years, you're like, holy shit, you got to catch up now. Yeah, the game changes quick. Yeah, so yeah. even back then. So I remember like, oh, man, all right, so I got back up on like my skill set. And then like – so I actually put together like a, a resume and I sent out – like I saw one classified. I sent it out and boom, sure enough, they call me and – they hire me. So I end up getting like a job again. I'm this a, is an in-house job? This is an in-house job. This okay. is a full-time salary job. So now I'm living in my apartment. You know, I'm out of comics and I get a full-time job. So now I just got like my nights and my weekends to mess with my canvases. You know, okay. I got no like creative pressure. I got no... And this is hippie days still? This is the... Yeah. This is when I'm so like... So get home, smoke up and paint. Fucking hip-hop. Yeah, yeah. Like just what year is this? boys. This is what was this? This is Golden Eye time. What was that? Ninety five. Yeah, yeah, ninety four, ninety five, ninety six. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so All the, right, at the end, the, we'll talk hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These were the 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 Golden Eye sessions and like the shaman sessions when we we're all getting into like smoking and art because right. all my friends were artists so we would okay. like all get together and like but like everyone was like a, like literally like an artist not like an illustrator like everyone right. was like just trying to do shit just creative yeah and then um so i ended up like working and then i was painting in, in my apartment and about after a, a, a year of this i got an opportunity to get like an artist space um so like i jumped on the opportunity i left my apartment and I moved into my mom's basement, which is now finished by, um, <laughs> by this point. So it's actually a basement apartment. Well, they, they knew you were coming back, <laughs> yeah, so they yeah. finished so, it off. <laughs> so, so now it's like now I have a, like a basement apartment, okay. you know, in Jersey, and you know it's like my mom. I pay rent. What but part of Jersey? Like, uh, this was uh, Fairview okay. uh, at this point, which is North Bergen, I believe, okay. close to Fort Lee. So um, I was like, okay, this is my plan. I'm, I'm gonna go live in, in uh, at my mom's basement. I got a full-time job, and then I got, like, my art studio. Was the full-time job in the city? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just, like, a graphic designer at this um, beauty fashion, it was called. It was a, okay. a trade magazine in the fashion industry. Okay. And I was just, like, a graphic designer there. And then I just started at that point when I got into the art studio – that's when like really like stuff started to like really take off in that world for me and i kind of discovered okay well, so this the art studio was a place for weekends and week and after nights? work yeah so okay. I, I would go after work and on weekends okay and, and, and just create every day and i would just go and what like whatever i was doing like canvases or painting you know, but see this is uh, this this part fascinates me cuz i've always been um Hyper focus mm-hmm. to to probably a, a down pro- probably too much so yeah. where everything became about I only do this I control like it was just all yeah. about control so I didn't have these Renaissance periods of just fucking around yeah. with everything although that's in me yeah. um, I just as soon as I I could figure out how to to use the tools yeah. to make comics. That was it. That was all I did. And I, I, every now and then I'd play a little outside of that. Yeah. But I remember it was in senior studio wow. in high school, um, getting rapidograph pens, uh, you know, and George Bridgman Anatomy Techs, 
how to draw comics the Marvel way, yeah. uh, and, and just that was it. Like, yeah. and, and I just felt like that's what I want to do. That's all I'm going for, and I'm not getting sidetracked. And I think there was maybe something unhealthy to that because it it maybe limited me creatively. Um, but it's never too late, so it's, it's something I'm I'm more interested in. How long now. was like your journey to to break into comics? Like a long time, yeah, a long time. But you were um, always focused on it, right? Right. Well, I, I was uh, I was an arrogant, ignorant little kid hmm. who didn't know anyone in comics, didn't know anything yeah. about comics. Uh, just you know, and this was at the time where it kind of everyone left Marvel and started yeah. Image and. And it was people like Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee. I was like, all you have to do yeah. is to be able to draw a big, flashy image. And so that's all I focused on hmm. until, you know, and I went to college and I wanted to learn how to do comics, but there was no program. So I ended up majoring in illustration, minoring in film huh. and photography. Like, I didn't, I wasn't specifically trying to create a comic yeah. major but when I think about it photography was helping yeah. me understand the frame those, yeah. movies yeah. were helping me understand storytelling illustration drawing um, but still not knowing really how a comic worked and then going to my first convention mm-hmm. and that's when someone finally said to me have you read Will Eisner's uh, comics and sequential mm-hmm. art <laughs> and, and I, I didn't even know who Will Eisner was Wow! and that changed Everything from then on out. So while I was focused on comics, once yeah. that happened, it was like, I've got a lot of work to do here. I need to learn this shit. And so Whoa. I was just hyper-focused. No, and, uh, and of course, Will, Will Eisner is actually, a, I got a crazy Will Eisner story, too. That's, do you uh, really? Yeah, I got, I got all kinds he's, of stories, dude. Like, it's, for me, like it's, uh, I, I, that's it. He's the, high, he's the top. Yeah, Those yeah. Are the, he's the best. Well, uh, well I... Let me like see if okay. I can wrap this up and, and maybe I can get to that one because it's it, it is kind of like connected. But it was at this period of time that basically this this whole Juan Do thing came. Okay, came so about. let's talk about that. You know, so that's again I'm just like doing like my art shit or whatever, and this is like an inside joke. And someone it, it was actually we called one of our friends Juan Do because like the dude was ghost. You know, he was like always <laughs> like you know like somewhere else or right or right. Whatever. I remember we were all like cracking up, drinking, smoking, whatever. And I remember like a couple of days later thinking, yo, I fucking love that. Juan Do. That sounds so fucking dope. So I just like fucking took it. You know, it wasn't like anyone's particular. Right. It was like, I mean, and that's part of like, if you hang out with me and my crew or whatever, we're all about like these little nicknames. And, right. You know, there's all of this sort of like shorthand language that, you know, encapsulates something about sure. a person. You sure, know? sure. So, so, and I was always, you know, like one of my first loves, obviously, growing up here in New York was like cartooning, graffiti. So, uh-huh. uh, and where I had my studio, um, it was at this place called Five Points, which is actually no longer around, but it was... Uh, for a long time, the largest outdoor graffiti museum in the world. Uh-huh. All the sides of it were yeah. liked. And yeah. it's been in like countless movies and yeah, videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so uh, that's actually where I had my art studio. So um, wow. it was actually, they, and I got there at right at the beginning of this sort of thing where they just made four floors available for like artists. And, these, and this is like a whole other universe, man. Right. This is like a universe of cats that rent these little spaces in New York City. They all have jobs. They all have like careers. Right. Or, or most of them are just trying to be full-time. Like real, these guys just go into work, man. And, and maybe there's some kind of show here or there. But for the most part, 
these people, and I became one of them. You just go into work, man. You don't think about like anything other than the work. Uh-huh. And being around that kind of dedication and being around, I met so many amazing artists that had nothing to do with what I, where I came from, which is cartooning and yeah, illustration. Yeah, that, that's what I, yeah. You I, know, those, that's amazing. And to see people work, to see, you know, my studio mates, you know, like this, this was like, a, it ended up being like an amazing experience. And it was this meshing of like, cultures because you had like all the the, the graph heads who'd come by on the weekends and paint every night and we'd have jams and parties and it was all hip-hop and djs and b-boying so that was all part of my art you know like yeah. the, the art i started to make was a, a deep reflection of who i was at that moment you and know? you still see it i mean just this time I'm spending with you in your place and looking around at all the different things you do yeah like I even said earlier you, you're you're, you just master so many crafts, and I, this this period you had here, yeah. I'm very very jealous of. It sounds incredible. Well, it's uh, and again, no one knew what was happening. We were all like young in our sure. in, in our mid twenties, which which like, makes it great yeah, because yeah, if you're aware you of no it, idea. it's dead. Yeah. So it ended up being one of the like just coolest spots for like a party man we'd have these like parties we'd have like hundreds of people and no one even knew about it because it's kind of like off to the side it teaches you, you that know. art isn't work yeah <laughs> which is yeah yeah you know what that's that's a part of it it's almost which like i never a, got you know I, I think i got to experience the cultural celebration of it mm-hmm. where you know like like we'd have these like open studios and you know every so imagine if you've got like you know 20 people, you know, like 100 people invite all their friends mm-hmm. to come to an open studio and everyone goes through all these studios and see all these different artists and you buy some of their artwork and you do all this. Right. Stuff. You know, so like at that time, I just, I found something for myself and I was creating all these sort of like really big canvases and I was into like pseudo political religious kind of statements. Right. And, you know, and I, and I was Counter, you know, counterculture stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, but in a way that you know, maybe created discourse or what? I think I had a, I was very idealistic, you know, uh, at that time. Of sure, what I thought sure, art we all were. Could be in like, you know, let's, let's fight the man. And so, was this stuff you recorded on canvas on walls? Yes, most of the stuff I did was uh, canvas, and then, but I was doing like you know posters and some 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 screen printing, and you know, like I would when I did drawings, it would be like not not the kind of drawings that we would consider like illustrations, just be mm-hmm. like more. Or whatever art style drawings, right. which I don't even have a definition anymore because I'm I'm done trying to define these little segments of fucking art Good. and like you know I, I just say these things to you know to, to better break down like this was like the art world or this is the comic book world and these are all distinct right you know, these uh, sometimes they overlap sometimes you know they don't right so I think the experiences that I brought were that I and and even now I realize that I was still working on some kind of narrative structure visual narrative structure at that time even that whole period i did like an underground comic at that time that was super indie super i had nothing to do with like comic books they were all like just photograph paste ups Uh with like word balloons you know so i was doing like more like punk rock more like just do my own shit and that was, was that the stuff you're showing me upstairs uh, that's a part of it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's maybe like the extension or the evolution of that stuff that I began at that time. And yeah, this was also when like, I guess street art or people were doing like a lot of just black and white imagery and right. stencil art. Right. You know? Right. So right. I kind of, and this was also, you know, we were in Long Island city, which is a hop, skip and a jump from Williamsburg at that period that Williamsburg became this sort of hotbed for okay. like this. Emerging so you art. went to Europe 
ate some mushrooms, <laughs> explored the Renaissance, yep. came back here and had a Renaissance of your own. Yes, through art. That's awesome. And, and, and just kind of found a voice, found a... And, and you know what? About after like a year and a half, you know, we ended up having like our first show. Where, where like the first time that I showed my canvases, you know, uh-huh. it was in our building. It was like a huge like space, and I put out like my first eight canvases that I had like ever done. And man, dude, it just started a whole different trip for me. You know, where like I saw the direct impact, you know, of what a piece of art can do. You know, uh-huh. you know the the whole thing, though. Everyone getting together and everyone being from different sort of backgrounds and and having this art kind of unify these different conversations and different cultures. And what I realized at that time is I, I was just meeting people from all over the world, whether they were European people or or just different backgrounds, different cultures, and right. all because art at that point. Not like comic art is very segmented, right? Yes. We all there's a general idea of who's going to support comic book art. Right. Anyway, the art world ends up being this global thing. Right. Who doesn't support comic book art? Yeah, and right. and there's all kinds of stereotypes with that shit and right. galleries and all. You know, so we were kind of in that sort of mix, you know, where we're making work that's generating some kind of like traction. So in in essence, I became like a like artist, artist, like trying to be in the art world. You know, right. Trying to sell work to like collectors and you know be like these big pop culture modern artists and I wanted to do fifty foot canvases and it's funny because I actually wanted to repaint the the uh, Sistine Chapel I wanted to, to rebuild oh recreate it to, to like to like recreate a free floating like version of it that you can put in parks anywhere. oh wow and it actually painted. Uh huh. Like, but like my style, right? Of course. There's all, of course a lot of you know smoking, sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> a lot like, of talk. Yeah, you know. So I was like, yeah, man, do all this crazy art shit, being like fucking, you know, like whoever. Right. It always Coons ends with and, let's go get some Oreos. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and 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 I, I was definitely like enamored by the that lifestyle of like the big loft and like I want to make sure. massive pieces and be all this hoity-toity fucking, like, right. let me write my master essay. So this is, this is the danger of that scene. I think it starts yeah. out healthy but can become very Absolutely. egocentric yeah. and, well, and uh, inbre- the, inbred. The interesting thing is that at that time, the, the Juan Do thing had been developing itself as sort of a, a retardant to that. You know, as as a as a buffer to okay. that art world thing, where if I was going to fuck with the art world, or if Juan Do was going to fuck with the art world, it was going to be like on his fucking terms. You know. Okay, so ex- explain that shit. to me. Yeah. So the 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 you know, and and this is you know, there's actually a really interesting story that I think for me emphasized why I wanted to use the Juan Do name, and it was it was actually before I was really using it full time. It was more like it was in the mix, but. Uh, someone came over to my studio and they, and they and they looked at my art and they were like, "Oh, really like your work? Really like your canvases or whatever?" And then they asked me about my name, so I told them my name and and they're like, "Wait, so you're Hispanic?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, you know, like my mom, my dad are Spanish, you know, but I'm from New York. I was born and raised here, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, what's the deal?" So he's like, "Well, you know, because you're like Hispanic, you really should do work that's more like folkloric." More, you know, I was just oh like, Hold I just rolled like, my eyes. Totally serious. Yeah, you know? no, that's and the art like, world. You know, more of like that represent my people, right? Like my right. indigenous fucking past or whatever. I was like, damn, son, like really? And yeah, no, like, I'm an individual. I'm, I'm like from New York, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Dude. Like, you know, th- that's this is my culture. Yeah, what I'm showing is, you right here. That's not the experience. That's a part of 
part of your history. My, my history, my heritage, my right. culture. But it's not your life experience. So I, I had thought of this, that this guy made a judgment about what my art should be based on my name. Right. So when I decided to say you know, that I was going to officially use Wando, that was kind of like a fuck you to right. anyone that wanted to like create a label for me. Because if you really break down what the name means, obviously it's a play on John Doe. Right. John Doe is the name that we give to unidentified bodies. Right. Which means they have no identity. Right. Yet by making it Wando, that statement is true if you're going to segment to just the Hispanic population. But yet it gives you a clue that it's a Hispanic. Right. So I always thought of it as like a little sort of flip of yeah, the Yeah, I like or, it. Or, I or the meaning. And then at that point, that part of it just got lost. And it just became JD or Juando. And, right. and at that period, that's simply what like I became. You know? So that's what took over. Yeah. And then I was whatever, a painter or like, you know, that's, that's what I was Did you feel like doing. when you were creating under the name Wando, did you feel any different? More liberated? Oh, yeah, dude. No, no. In fact, I can honestly tell you that I never felt it was me. I felt like, yo, what a great disguise. What a great way to say something I want to say. But, you know, I can kind of like step away and be like, well, I didn't really say that. You know, Juan Do said that. So there's a freedom to it. Yes, yes. Because I was able to view it as, you know, like literally a mask and not just to block anything that I wanted to, to protect myself from, but to also embody things that I wanted to say that maybe if I say it straight up doesn't have the same impact. And this is where I just started well, to explore like... Were, were you... I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to yeah. word this question. Were, did you feel like you, you needed this alter ego in order to say these things because you were wearisome to say it on your own? Or did you feel like it would have more resonance if it was said by an anonymous creator. Yeah, I no, I, I definitely thought, well, at that point I thought of it as, um, like the anonymity was there, but I had always thought of it as, this is just a character. Right, right, and, right. And this is how this character thinks. And this was the beginning of, like, character development. Okay. World building. You know, where at first, you know, when, when you, yo, man, Juando, man, a motherfucker would do this or that. And then you laugh about it. And then little by little, each time you add something, you build on this character. So you were building a myth or I a was, legend. Absolutely. You know, and there was definitely moments where things crossed over. And at some point I realized that I had created a character that far exceeded what I thought would reflect me. And then many times, you know, you know, I, I did have a period where I, like, I got confused, dude. I was like, yo, I'm Juan you know, like, Juan don't fucking exercise. Juan don't take care of himself. You know, he's a fucking, <laughs> you know, he's a fucking immortal. So you got mixed mid. up he's in like, the alter ego? Oh, yeah, dude. I, I see everything I did no different than if Daniel Day-Lewis was playing a character wow. in a fucking movie. I became this fucking character. And then when I went through periods, I mean, look, I mean, again, I'm just like trying to, this is a, a synapse. I mean, this is just sure. like a small portion. But this is, you know, the, the development of the character is, is completely in line with the things that were happening to me, the experiences. You know, I had this like high of being an artist and I was doing this like shit. Mm-hmm. Basically, dude, after about five years of doing this, I had reached the precipice. I was maybe like 28 years old where like, oh, yo, you can enter that like strata of emerging artists, you know, right. under 30 under 40 in art in America. You know, like these are things that like, I'm not necessarily trying to get that. I'm just doing my work, yo. And Uh my work is going to get me some kind of exposure and I'm in this game and people want to like drop mad money for my canvases. Yo, that's what I I want. I just want to support my vision. Uh So I don't, I'm not playing the game. I just want to get it out there. So I was, I thought I was going to be in that. 
And then uh, uh, I remember I had like done this whole body of work, and I had reached the point where I was like, "Yo, I'm, I know what I'm doing, yo! Like I totally know what I'm doing." And I had started this new series, and I and I remember laying out. It was like a seven foot canvas, and I had laid everything out. And I remember, yo, I was sitting there looking at it, and I'm smoking. I'm like, "Yo, son, this is it, B. After you do this series, bro, you're gonna be on that ride. You gotta work. You gotta hustle." Create, create. I always knew that if I worked, 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 shit would just happen. Right. I go home. I get a phone call the next day. My boy's like, yo, you need to come down to the fucking space. I'm like, what's up? He's like, yo, there's been like a, some kind of flood. I'm like, really? Oh, shit. So I fucking run to fucking Queens. I, dr- I jump in my car. I drive from Jersey to fucking Queens. And uh, I walk into my fucking art studio. And... This is now after five years of, like, building art, change. Like, this is what I was. This is my definition. And I don't see anything. I'm like, okay, I don't see fucking anything. And then I notice, like, on the wall, like a watermark. And it's about three and a half feet. And I look at the whole space. You know, this is like a 575-square-foot space. And I see this three-foot watermark. And then I see all of my fucking artwork, like, destroyed oh all my canvases all my sketchbooks all my computer equipment everything and anything that i had as a creator as an artist up to that point in my life was like done done destroyed all right so (laughs) all right we've got i got some questions here yeah did you have a a an experience where juan doe felt differently than Ken felt? Did, were you separated at you know that what? moment? I, I think at that moment, um, it was still very definable. It was after this particular event that I kind of fell in uh, and out okay. of what this character was because what ended up happening was, you know, the narrative of this story is that, you know, here I am about to like try to jump off on this world and do all this shit. I have, in, in essence, a pipe burst in my studio. It was like a big event. It just, like, destroyed everything I had. I ended up getting kicked out of the fucking studio. And all of a sudden, like, within the span of, like, you know, actually, a lot of other stuff was happening in, 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 the, in the background as well. Like, you know, I had another personal relationship that I broke off with someone that I thought I was going to marry. We weren't engaged or anything like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had some family issues, you know. So it was, like, this weird period where, like, all of a sudden this event – you know, changed the course of who I was as a creator again. Mm-hmm. And this started a, like, my, like, kung fu period where I, like, went on the road for, like, two years and I, I worked in construction. Kung fu, the TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, okay, my- okay, so you're leaving right now. Hold on. Before we get there, um, did you ever feel, looking back now, do you feel that there was ever a point where the the Wando alter ego was became an an out of control thing for you in terms of your own ego. Uh, I I think um, that, that's a good question. I think after this particular event, this this flood, and when I kind of I basically like a, I I fell off the grid uh-huh. when this thing happened. So this crushed you. Yeah, I I decided I'm done with fucking everything, dude. And I like went off the, like. Everything, everything. No, like, communication, no email, nothing. I, I took a job working in construction in Pennsylvania on a, on a military base. I, like, lived and worked on a... On what a, year is this? This is now early 2000, 2003, maybe. So you're, like, 30? <clears throat> I'm 30. Yeah, I'm, like, 
right like 30 okay. like, like like between like 30 and 32 is kind of this like lost period where did I, you I, ever feel like the one were you ever concerned about the one do ultra ego in terms of your own sanity or mental health sure absolutely absolutely without and that you know part of that came much later on um, I think looking at this, back at yeah it. yeah at, okay. at, at like this period of time when I was going through this and I kind of just like went off the grid and I disappeared and I wasn't doing any art I, I did like you know I, I just I had to fight to recover like my hard drive you know, right and, and go get it saved just to save some of the archives of the work I had done up to that point I lost a lot of physical work uh, like anything uh-huh. that I was doing as an artist was over finished like I lost so much work it was like I didn't have any comic book shit that was done I wasn't doing that anyway. So I literally I had a laptop, dude, and all of a sudden I'm 30 fucking years old, and, and, and you I, exiled yourself. Yeah, I have like fucking absolutely nothing. So in this period of time, what did happen was I began to write more about like what this character was. Juan okay, Del. so you're able to look at it in in hindsight now. Absolutely, and I started to say, well, this didn't really happen to me. This happened to him. He went through a flood. He's this like superstar. Okay. Creator. This Was this a way, a coping mechanism? I think so, definitely. Okay. You know, and and I, I'm very comfortable talking about this now because I, I've, I've stepped out of that. You okay. Know, I, I know who I am at this particular right. moment of reality. Well, as long as I've <laughs> known you, you've seemed like you know yeah. who you are. Yeah, no, and, and, I, and I think there's certainly a, a internal guidance system that allows me to still be a professional and to function. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's ill because you know me now from this particular time, but you know, at this moment, you know, this is like a new beginning for this character and who I was. And, you know, long story short, I leave, I go away and then, uh, I come back two years later, uh, and I end up getting a job again, this time at wizard magazine. Mm-hmm. So I went from like, so Trippy because I go from nothing to do with comics, nothing to do with like illustration, nothing to do with any other shit, and I come back and I got a job at Wizard Magazine as a graphic designer because okay. I had experience working in the magazine industry. That's what I had been doing um, all that all those years. I was working as a as a as an artist. You know, uh-huh. I was supporting myself as a graphic designer, right, right, you right, know, with like my my day job. So this kind of started a whole new period that I think was the genesis of my introduction into like comic books again. Okay. You know, so when I went to Wizard, um, I just worked as a magazine designer. I wasn't into comics. I wasn't drawing comics. I wasn't really doing anything with it. Um, but as, you know, I like worked there, obviously I got to see like a lot of stuff, like a lot of artwork, a lot uh-huh. of like, things that were going on. And I was like, oh man, this is like, some good shit happening, you know. This is now the uh, Joe Quesada era. Uh-huh. You know, this is now when they were doing, like, ultimate, the ultimate Marvel stuff. And you're and, in like, a very healthy place right now, man. Yeah, so now I come back from this crazy period. I get, like, a full-time job. Wizard is a great environment at that time. Uh, so still when they were, like, you know, like a player in the industry and, and doing right, well. Right, right. So, you know, I was able to kind of, you know, go back to normal. I got an apartment, you know, uh, I still had like my like like you know I still had like some artwork you know things going on, um, but I had what, I hadn't what years anything. were you at Wizard? This was now um, I guess uh, two thousand I guess yeah two thousand three oh, around okay. there yeah okay because I, I think I, I was there two years yeah two thousand three 
Yeah, yeah, because it was another two years. It was in 2005 that I got my, my first comic book gig as Wando. Okay. So that's this whole journey leads to that. Okay, you know? so, so let's let's finish up Wizard yeah. and go there. So did you get – what job was that? That was a – I was a features designer. You know, I, I worked at a um, – in the art department. So at we, Wizard. Yeah, so we pretty much put together, you know, all the magazines. You know, right. whatever they did Wizard, they did Toy Fair, they did like – right anime you know and then and you know i also i knew a lot of people there you know i knew a lot like you know i some of those people had worked at valiant you know right years before in fact that's actually ironically speaking <laughs> it was darren is the one that who was the guy that put me in valiant right, right. When I first got there he was now a production director at wizard okay okay so he almost it was like a, a reflection of that moment okay like he kind of reintroduced me you know, because like, like I, you know, I needed a job and I wanted to get out of this crazy world and I just needed some stability. So I just applied and I got a job as a magazine designer and had no idea that it was going to. And lead. were you were you at a place of peace now and happiness? Absolutely. No, no, no. It was okay. uh, actually a very fruitful time because at that point, what I, I had, I was kind of still in the art world, but I was doing more stuff behind the scenes. I was okay. I was helping more with like getting some stuff together with some groups and some people. So in that sense, I was like, I still love art and I still love supporting it. Um, so I kind of had like my own thing going on. And then at, at this time, I, I had started to like develop a couple of like my own characters. Like I think I told you Bazooka Jose and, mm-hmm. and, and like another book. So I had like a, a couple of things that I had been developing that they were more like underground comic book stuff. So it was ironic because I wasn't really doing it it just coincided with me going back to wizard that I had been fucking around with like these kind of weird underground looking comic book stuff, uh-huh. just, just very small format. And then uh, while I was at wizard, you know, I just kind of started to see a lot of the artwork that was being produced and I got to know a lot of the names and I got right. to, especially like, like the covers. I just really like, was just falling in love with like just seeing the artwork and like the, 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 the skill set to me had just like elevated. Yeah. It was just a lot of different, Artists were in there, you know, the, the stuff that, like, Maliv was doing. Right, I was just going to say that. Same yeah, way. dude, you know. Yeah, it was, it was, it was funny. Of- I actually have a uh, – uh, this is, like, a little side note, but uh, I'm going to stake my uh, my claim that, that Alex Maliv got into the comic book industry because of me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that dude shows up one day at Valiant Comics. I get a call from the secretary at, at the front desk. She was a friend of ours. She's like, yeah, there's this like, guy here with a portfolio. He wants to show it. I go, and the, who do I see standing there? Dude's fucking Alex. I look at his fucking book. I'm like, all right, you need to come with me. Like, you're like fucking serious, dude. The, yeah, the minute yeah. I saw his work, I'm like, who the fuck are you, dude? So I introduced him to um, Jesse Berdinka, who was an editor at Valiant. And I let it go. And you know what? That dude was doing fucking Shadow Man. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. soon after that. And then he left to do the fucking crew. I'm, I'm friendly with t- Alex. So, oh, uh, he's, he's one of my boys, dude. Okay, yeah, so you still yeah, talk yeah. to him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, every time okay. I see him in fucking like, every, when I see him in New York. You know, every I always, con, I have dinner with him in New York. Awesome, awesome. So next one, we all got to like, like. Okay. No, that's my boy, dude. We, we, we had a whole period there where we were like kicking it hard. Like at okay. those early days. Good, good. You know, at like. He's Valley. another guy who's artistically like all over the place doing stuff. He's, right. he's so funny, but yeah. All right, so um, c- come back. So how do you go from working at Wizard to now getting a comic book job? Um, <clears throat> so I, I, I'm trying to remember the exact way it like happened. I, I think I just kind of said one day, you know what? I think I'm going to like 
try to do something. I, I just kind of like got the bug to to see if I could do something. But I wanted to do like everything. I right. Wanted, you wanted to be in control. I wasn't like going to be penciling. I was like, I just want to do a piece. I just want. So I I started messing around with some like personal stuff. Uh-huh. You know, like um just for myself and like uh-huh. but it, it was interesting because i wasn't really drawing like that's st- that way so mm-hmm. the stuff i was doing was very much still oriented in the style that i was doing at that time but it turns out that i i ended up um i sent a message to mike martz mm-hmm. uh, who i knew from actually i knew him from the valiant days okay and i was just like hey what's up man it's like ken you know what are you doing like i'm going by Juan Do these days so I ended up showing him. Just so like, you had that conversation. Yeah, I just like like emailed him and I showed him like the work that I was doing at that time, which was like propaganda posters. Uh-huh. And, like it wasn't necessarily like illustrated so, stuff. So explaining on Wando these days and then seeing that art, it kind of ties in. Yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. It was because I had like a website. Right, you know, right. Like the the Wando thing has been around for like a minute. I've had the site for like twelve years. Right, like, right. com, and it went through a lot of different stages, and I had a lot of different so different points of my career. I've had different interpretation of the work I was doing. So, I mean, I always had a way to represent the work I had done. And, like, I, I sent some of the stuff to Mike, and he was like, yo, man, we got this, like, project called X-Men 198, you know, and I think your style would, like, fit perfect, kind of, like, propaganda style, and, and that was it. I was like, all right, cool. Was it a cover? It was uh, the cover for the whole series. It was, like, okay. a, a five-issue uh, miniseries, mm-hmm. X-Men 198. Mm-hmm. David Hine was the writer. Um, and all of a sudden, here I was, like, but it was so different because it was, like, directly, like, the whole thing had changed. It was an email. I sent an email right. in 2005 to Mike Martz, and I'm sitting at a desk at Wizard, and then I email him some images, color images, and he's like, hey, do you want a series? And, dude, in, like, just like that, over a couple of, like, you know, bits of communication, I'm doing, you know, five covers from Marvel. Okay. In 2005. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what, man? That's it. That's my, like, redemption, yo. That's, like, that's cool. I'm doing it as Wando. Because I did struggle with that at first. Yeah, like, I was going to ask you, what was that Wando? like, or deciding like, that? Yeah, or do I say that, hey, this is, like, I'm back, guys. And I just decided to, you know what? Just let the JD thing represent itself. And start clean. And if, yeah, and start clean. And if anyone asks or anyone, I got nothing, you know, this is... You know, I had been through enough stuff in my life to to get past that and to forgive myself and to like try to work every day to not make those same mistakes that I did. You know, if I was going to mm-hmm. do anything professionally, it didn't matter what it was at that point. You know, like that experience in comics formulated my dedication to like my professionalism. You know, that, right. not to say I haven't made some mistakes since, but it, I like I'm paranoid about like messing up. You know, right. I try to do the best that I that I can, and when I got these gigs, uh, the, the, this cover series, I remember approaching it. Not once did I look at it like a comic book. Yeah, I remember I was just a piece of art, dude. Like, okay. what would you do? And that X Men One Nine Eight series, I did a lot of different things on that. You know, I it was not like not, nothing about that was traditional from from what I was working on at the time, and that was it. And that series, I. I kind of like hit i think i got a lot of bump from that you know a lot of attention at at that time and then then they offered me the x-men civil war covers right like right after that and then like before i knew it you know here i am doing like covers you know like for a couple of big books you know that were getting a lot of play at the time you know and it definitely 
recombined to create like a, a a new career that I wasn't really aware of even at that early early stage. Did you stay at Wizard until it fell? I I was at Wizard um the 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 first covers dropped in 2006. I was at Wizard in 2005. Mm-hmm. And then in 2006, I believe the covers dropped. And I stayed like another year mm-hmm. because at the end of 2006 is when I committed to do my first sequential project. The Fantastic the, Four. Which is the Fantastic Four. And that's when I decided again to quit my full-time job. Right. And to go pursue like a freelance career. Okay. I, I mean, I, I don't think I made the decision to be a comic book artist again. I just wanted to make art, and I was going to do this book and just see how it went. And do it your way. And do it my your way. Your vision yeah. entirely. Who yeah, wrote, because who wrote that one? That one was Tom Beeland. Right. So, um, yeah, and that, that one, and that book changed my life and my career. And yeah, because I noticed your covers and was blown away. And then when I saw that Fantastic Four book, I was like, this guy's doing it right. Well, thank you. I, I That was, the fact that I got the gig and and that they let me do everything yeah the pencils the inks and the colors that for me was the actual acclaim was uh-huh. like i wanted to to and i went for it i didn't like i pitched to do the whole thing right you know and i sent samples and i like you know i actually fought for that when i heard about that potential gig like they were looking for a penciler Right. And I was like, you know what, dude? I'm doing this. I was born to like do this. And I hustled yeah, yeah, yeah. my ass. I used whatever like network I had at that moment and I I got to talk to like the right people and you know, it was it was you know, Stephen Wacker's the one that that, right. that hired me and, and approved me for that. And I worked with him and Alejandro Arbona, who, mm-hmm. who ended up becoming a good friend and a and a good editorial partner to to work with once I started like my in essence it turned into a career sure and i and i for the bulk of 2007 8 9 and 10 i was pretty much working at marvel you know i produced a bevy of covers and the fantastic four turned into a trilogy and then i started doing a couple other one shots uh-huh. and finally ending with like legion of monsters right you know? right so the the it was a interesting period that I, I still haven't fully analyzed you okay. know, even now. Well, let's keeping with the theme of duality. <clears throat> talk to me about your life now because you have two residences mm-hmm. in two different parts of the world. Yes. New York and Japan? Yes. Where in Japan? Uh, Tokyo. So okay. Like heart of Tokyo. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, you know, due to, you know, I'm married and uh, uh, my wife is Japanese. We have a beautiful daughter. So we've been, in essence, like kind of splitting our time, you know, uh, between both places. Where did you meet her? When did you meet her? We met, uh, we met here in New York, actually, okay. through uh, mutual friends. Was she living here or visiting? Uh, she was visiting at that time. But she used okay. to live here. She went to, so she was born in Japan. She was born in Japan, yeah. She went to college here. And okay. She worked here for a while. And then she went back home. And then we had mutual friends. And then we met like in 2010, to th- not to, like 2009. And, you know, and ended up becoming like, you know, my wife and we had a baby and all of a sudden like had a family. I was like, yo, you know, like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now. Like if, if this is something I'm going to. Right. You know, so all of a sudden, you know, the last few years of, of my life have been very different. Yes. Because um, in essence, uh, I left comic books again in 2011 uh-huh. uh, after my daughter was born. 
So that kind of capped, you know, that era between like well, the rebirth of what I, whatever I was doing as an artist or uh-huh. the Juan Do era from like 2005. Well, to let's that. talk because a lot of guys I've had on here who have children, we have the conversation of once m- marriage and children enter the equation, how difficult it is to manage everything mm-hmm. and how it strains the relationship. Yeah. Did, did you feel that just moving away from comics was a, a means of of making sure the family unit was safe? Yes, 100%. So you um, saw the, the comic, the medium, as, as a threat to the relationship yes. in some way. Yeah. I, 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 and and I, I, I think we all go through that because yeah. it is a threat. And I think I've said it before, but Alex Toth had mm-hmm. a quote that comics is a dark mistress, hmm. and it absolutely wow. is. You're <laughs> cheating on your spouse yeah. with this medium. Yep. You're spending yep. time with it. When you're with your wife, you're thinking about it. Yep. And, 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 and it, it, is, it, can, it can be extremely toxic yeah. to a marriage. Now, what you did is something I haven't, I haven't interviewed anyone who did that, where they said, I'm getting away from you mm-hmm. for a little bit because that could be a problem. Yeah. How, coming to that conclusion, was that a, a hard thing to do, to say goodbye to comics? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, when I first started Legion of Monsters, it, it, when I first got the news of that series, I actually thought, you know, I was hoping and wishing that that would actually be the beginning of like a continuous career again as a, I thought for sure as a be. sequential artist. Because yeah. at, at, at that point, um, I had kind of agreed to give up the colors so that I can focus on the black and whites and I can put myself on a regular schedule to be... Who colored that? That was um, Will Quintana, okay. who uh, is a good friend of mine and did a fantastic job. He used to be in the production department at Valiant okay. when I first started. He was one of the guys that was in the same department that I was and he's a professional colorist and he's been in the business for almost around the same time. He never stopped. And he's a fantastic artist and he's completely busy and doing stuff. So, right. Um, so he, you know, he he ended up coloring that book, and I thought he did like a great job. So I was like, yeah, totally, man. Like I can totally like do black and white, and just like kind of continue to do that. So right. when I first started Legion of Monsters, which is really one of the best projects I've, I've ever come across, and yeah. I love it. It's very Every very streams of that project. Very, very dear project, you know, to me. And Dennis killed it. You know, I'm just grateful to to have had that experience. But, um, you know, by the second book, you know, there was like a lot You've of changes. you a newborn? I can't imagine. Yeah, you know, the, the, the baby is born. And, and, and my wife had seen, like, she had, she been, she went through like two of my books, the, the Fantastic Four books. And, and I heard you mention this too, and this is maybe something that really should be stressed. Like, these books are all consuming. Yeah. They are. <laughs> That's all they, we I talk mean, like about every second of the day. Even it, when you're not at the drawing table, your mind is yeah. there. You're, I, I would just go to sleep thinking of panel arrangements, thinking of solutions. I had to of start like, reading novels to turn my brain off of comics so I could fall wow. asleep. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's all consuming, man. When you're in that, when you got to produce a story and then there's a deadline overhead. Yeah, you there's know. That too. And when I was doing the full books, I mean, I'm talking about, dude, I was working like, Average fifteen hours every day, dude. Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. And I loved it. I actually yeah. loved it. I mean, I was like, you know, I wasn't married at that time. You know, I was like, this is the shit, dude. And I get to 
draw my shit, color my shit. I had a blast with those books, you know. And with I the really, FF books? Yeah, yeah, you know. But then when the, uh, the, the Legion books came, I was like, well, let me see if I can make this a, a steadfast thing and, and maybe, you know, I have a family coming. So I know that, you know, you know, like comics is not the place that you want to get into if you're trying to really make money. I right. Mean, it's, it's, it's a great career if you can make it work, you know, but it's partly that we're just kind of drawn to this craft. So I it was hoping that this would lead to like continuous work, but by the second issue I kind of I kind of knew that like the writing was on the wall. There was a lot of changes at Marvel. The people that I was working with on that book weren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew that you know I was going to finish off this series and I really wasn't going to make any kind of of attempt to to try to get any more work. Did you so. talk to your wife say, "Look, I'm going to back off of comics. It's just too much to, yeah. to deal with, with yeah 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 when and when, what did uh, she say uh well she was in complete support of any decision i made you know okay what i told her was like look was she know. concerned that like i i, I would have i mean i i've had conversations yeah. like this with my wife and i've never backed off of comics but i have hit those moments where i'm like am, am i just poisoning all yeah. of you should i back off and and she's always like, no, I don't want you to resent us yeah. or feel like we're yeah. the reason you can't have your yeah. dream. And, and while that's true, I, I, don't, I don't know that I would resent them. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be happy. But well, did she at any point feel like, well, I don't want you to do something that will create resentment? Well, I, I, you know, and my wife has a very interesting lifestyle as well in that she's, she was freelance as well. Okay. So, so we both kind of had this very flexible lifestyle that allowed okay. us to kind of, you know, you know, go with the situation, you know, and she was very supportive, but we had agreed that when, like when she had the baby that, you know, she was going to be the mom. And, you know, at that point, I, I, even though the comic books were all consuming, at least I was home. Right. So it it actually wasn't, I actually loved it. I mean, I'm sitting, I'm drawing, my newborn is right there, you know. Yeah. With with one that can't walk and talk. It's a little, and and (laughs) I hit the wall when I got my first Marvel job. And my son, who was two, was climbing up my back while I'm inking. <laughs> and my daughter, who wants to watch me inking, has put her head in between my my head and my hand so she can watch. And I, I was like, I have to get an out, outside space. Oh, this man. isn't working now. That's that's interesting because now, like, my, my daughter's two and a half and, and she... She loves, like, you know, she has her own Windsor Newton Series 7. Yeah, yeah, no, my kids. I mean, my daughter said recently, I've decided I want to do comics. That's awesome. I mean, she's always written stories and drawn stories. I heard you talk about that. Yeah, Um, but just recently, you know, she's always talked about, well, maybe I'll do comics, but I really want to do this. But recently, it's like, no, this is it. And she's actually talking to me about, Dad, can we get something published? That's awesome. And I'm I'm like, (laughs) well, as a writer, I think so. And she had the, we had this hard, I had this hard moment with her where she's like doing the design yeah. work. She's got this big dragon story she wants to tell and it's smart and it's well thought out. And she's like, dad, do you think someone will publish it? Wow. And, and I, <laughs> I, my philosophy is honesty. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Zoe, I think you're great yeah. and you're doing amazing stuff, but it's not professional level. So I don't think a publisher is going to publish the art. Mm-hmm. The story you know, you can write it, I can script it, and then get a professional artist to draw it. That, that could happen. Yeah. That, you could be a published author. And it was like, I, I was like, I didn't, I, I felt like I did the right thing. Yeah. And, and she understood what I was saying. And I, was very, I, I, I felt bad because I didn't want her ego hurt, but I was like, I'm just being honest. And I feel like that's important, just be it honest. Is, it is. And how old is she? 
she's eleven. Oh wow. Okay, so she's she's conceptualizing, man. She's making oh yeah, ideas yeah. Come. No, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is. I mean, she's got a sketchbook. Wow. She's designing. Okay. She's got reasons for designs. But that was a hard conversation, mm-hmm. and and I wonder, you know, I I, th- I like I wonder if my wife would have handled it, be like, oh yeah, baby, you can do it, mm. and I like I didn't want to crush the ambition, but I wanted her to. Like I feel like you can do danger with constant encouragement, yeah, where yeah. they don't have a realistic look at things. Right. But she handled it well, and she gets it. And you also mentioned that you felt your son had the uh, yeah yeah the my sickness. son yeah he does he does <laughs> that, that, um, that was a great little story. He my stitch. daughter's always drawn out of pure joy, and mm-hmm. I haven't seen much frustration. Okay, my son, I've seen the frustration, um, like I have mm-hmm. had. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of that, I think, is because his sister can draw well, who's older than him. But, um, you know, it's not always. And, yeah. and he can draw his ass off, too. That's awesome. So, no, that's I a, mean, it's it, it's got to be interesting for you to know that they want to pursue what you've been doing. I love it because I no. feel like I can actually help make that yeah. happen. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I'm even at the point where I'm like, fuck college. Like, if you really want to do this, mm-hmm. you know, you, you guys will be published in your teen years. Mm-hmm. Let's make that a goal. Yeah, and you'll you know you'll have careers. I mean, they've also had the luxury of meeting. Like my daughter and my son have sat in workshops with Scotty. See, that's great. You know, yeah. so they get to sit there and watch Scotty draw. And like oh, Ramon man. Perez was at my house having dinner with that's me awesome. and the kids one night, and like they're meeting <laughs> all. Like my daughter has a Stuart Eminem sketch from when he visited my school. <sighs> that's great. She she had a fairy sketchbook, and she had Cameron Stewart, wow. Stuart Eminem, and Matt Kent all did a Look fairy. At that. for that's her. awesome, man. And and you know what? I'm glad that you're able to share that with our youth, man, because we need that in our in, in our business. We we need that kind of like engagement, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, leaving teaching, I'm still finding ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- like I've said before. I yeah. feel like we need more of a community yeah. amongst the creative people than yeah. I listen and, and dissonance. And thank you for putting me down on this. You know, I, I I'm oh, actually definitely. very happy to to talk about this because I haven't really talked about it. I, yeah, not I'm too excited many people would to even like to about it. show any interest other than like the people that are in in. in and I guess I, I I I guess it is my industry. I am in this industry. Absolutely. I, I, I kind of feel like you know. And to, to kind of cap off, you know, when like I, I did like I, le- I left comics after two, like 2011. I I've done no sequential work since, um, and I was completely out of comics a- after that. And I got into commercial work, freelance advertising. Right. Let's and, talk and, about that. So let, let me just rewind before yeah. my tangent. Um, so your wife was supportive, mm-hmm. and you got away from comics, and you got into freelance. Yes. Yeah. Like more like advertising, advertising design, design, soulless. Yes. <laughs> Soul sucking. So, how Soul long have you been doing sucking. that? Uh, well, you know, technically, I guess I, I was still doing it, not even up until a couple of months ago. Okay. So, I guess a good three years. And was you know. it, and it just got to the point where it was making you unhappy. Yeah, yeah, and well, it, this is where that that odd balance comes in, where you know, uh, I had to ask myself at this stage of my life, like after I left comic books like legion of monsters because even when i was doing my comic book stuff you know and, and i and i feel bad that i never really engaged more in the industry i think at that, that some of those moments i had some real 
good things out there. Yeah. You know, maybe I could have gone to a couple of these conventions. and But I, I never really knew if I was going to be in this for the long run. Because right. part of it I, that I always knew was this is so hard to do. Yeah. Like, man, it's either going to, like, kill me or, like, destroy <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all my relationships, you know. But I guess, you know, uh, like, leaving comics in 2011, you know, at that point I had been – I left it. So I had a good, like, at least five years straight where I was just freelancing. Mm -hmm. And I loved what my lifestyle was. And I Mm -hmm. loved the work that I was making. You know, I wasn't writing my own stories or or drawing my own characters, but I loved these these characters and I loved these stories. And I got a a chance to get better and to to explore sequential. Um, But I I, I was like, if I'm going to do this full time, man, this this has got to work for me. You know, and I kind of felt that. Even if I got steady work at that time, it just probably wouldn't have have, have worked with my lifestyle at that time, right. with my it's family hard, man. and the baby. Hard. So I got to, you know, it did give me more time. You know, one freelance job like that, you know, took maybe half the time, maybe paid double. Sure. You know, it, it, every, sure. All of those, those, those metrics got better for me. As the... Um, I don't know what emotion it is, was growing when doing the ad work as the discontent or, Mm -hmm. I don't know, if anger or just whatever it was. As that was growing, was it creeping into your personal life and and poisoning the relationships at home? Like, were you angry uh, or bitter or just unhappy? You know what? At at first, no. At at first, it was actually great because at first it went from – like, I made this – I remember making this conscious decision and I told my wife, I'm like, babe, the comic book shit is done. After I finished Legion of Monsters number four, like, I'm not even going to say nothing. It's, like, done. And sure enough, nothing ever happened. Marvel never contacted me. It was we just floated You know, away. there's something to that. I <clears throat> feel like what you put out into the universe does come back. Yeah. Like, I always only got a limited amount of work, odd jobs at Marvel while I was teaching mm-hmm. because that's all my schedule would allow no. for. But the minute I put it out to the universe that I'm, du- I'm going to leave teaching – I just started getting floods of offers w- without even saying to too many people I'm doing this. Yeah. I just put it out there. Yeah, and I do believe that, that, that the universe responds to you. If you do something that you're totally behind and that you believe in that you're passionate about and yeah. you put it out there and you believe in it. And it, the same holds true with the other. Like, I right, knew like you that, put it out there, I'm done. Yeah, and it I was put done. it out there that I was done. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't send an email. I didn't, I didn't put out a press release. I didn't make any kind of official announcement that I had stepped away from comics. Right. I just stepped away. And then I also had put it out there that, well, now I'm going to be a freelance designer, you know, and I right. put up my portfolio on, on, you know, one of these portfolio sites. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, I was getting like, you know, I got like a little illustration job for a T-shirt design. And then another one was a little bit bigger. And before I knew it, in less than six months, I was working with like what you would consider major clients, right. A-list clients, A-list agencies. You know, right. I was getting hired as sort of like a specific mercenary illustrator with a very unique style. Right. You know, some of that crossed over into we want a comic book propaganda feel. Right. You know, but we want it to be like this. So I ended up exploring many different kinds of projects that weren't necessarily even illustration based. Some of them were just design based, you know, mm-hmm. and it was it was odd that I was getting this kind of work based on my comic book portfolio because I don't put up any of my other work. I don't put up any of my design work. I was a web designer for a while. I have mm-hmm. all these little weird careers and all that stuff was like for for like experience. But after a couple of years, I realized that it's the same game, you know, uh, uh, you do a big job 
and you know you spend time on it and then at the end of the day you get paid you know well i guess um but it's still not enough and the the it, those were those jobs are hard to get mm-hmm. it's super competitive sure and and you so i had to ask myself well damn is this what i am then am i going to be like a freelance illustrator now i'm just a designer now so i i kind of went through this moment where like damn dude what do you want to do man you know and i kind of fell back into thinking about comic books again and realizing i want to draw again so um, it hadn't poisoned your your relationships at home no i mean the, the, well my wife realized that the freelance stuff was making me like okay, unhappy right you know so the, the the decision to say well what if you get back into comics and you focus and you dedicate and and you do what you want to do you know will support you 100%. You know, like I have that. Because basically I think I'm at a crossroad here. Like I, right. and it's a very basic thing. Like I either have to go get a full-time job and if I get a full-time job to support my family, then you know, pff, forget about comic book dreams, dude. Right. There, there's no time for that. Right. You know, but if I just <laughs> if I say That's what I've been wrestling with for yeah, so long. Yeah. I mean, I've had I've tooth and nail fought to maintain a comic career while having while running a college art department yeah it's been two full-time jobs for five years that's crazy and i've just hit the wall yeah and Um, and it sounds like you have to yeah yeah it's time it's just time you know so it's time um so talk about where you are now and what's going on yeah so that's uh you know i kind of made a decision recently to um pursue my own work um so that's literally as we speak right now i am engaged in uh, producing my own book, you know, it's I'm not doing it for anyone. A creator own thing. It's a creator own project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it belongs to me 100. percent Do you want to say anything about it or keep it? Wait until well, it's further developed. I mean, you know, it, in in a nutshell, it's it's probably going to be reflective of the stuff that we've been talking about, and it's it's definitely like sort of semi autobiographical, you know. But it's it's. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, I don't want to really speak too much about okay. it at, at the moment because I'm. I know. I know where I'm at with the with the development of it. You know? Okay. And but I, I can say that some of these stories that I that, that I've shared, you know, are are definitely involved in in this kind of story. You so know, it'll be semi semi autobiographical, semi fictional. Yeah, you know, I almost like I, I don't even have any kind of like description of it. Right. But, it, it, but it's myth building. Almost like a, you know, like magical realism, you know, some, you know right. it's, it's, but it's, you're building a myth. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, 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 and it's definitely something I've, I've been working on. So it's not like right. I just came out of the blue. It's a lifetime. From what I've seen, yeah. it's a lifetime of, of what we've talked about thrown into a book. Yeah. And, and, and I believe all of these experiences that, that I've had has kind of led me to this point to say, you know what, I'm. Look, if I'm going to put my time to draw a comic book at this stage of my life and my career, it's just going to be for me. I, I really, you know, and I haven't been offered anything. It's not like anyone's knocking on my door to do sequential. Right, right. But you, you know. just made the decision. I just made the decision. I, just, I find it interesting that both of us have come to this crossroads now and with, with the responsibility of a wife and child or children, we've come to the realization what we need to do right now is get involved with creator own stuff more creative outlets yeah. in comics yes and in and well, that makes yeah. while that makes no logical sense <laughs> it makes perfect sense yeah yeah and it's, yes and it's just one of those things where the the math doesn't add up but it works yes. i believe well it, it you know and we talk about comics but really this this extends you know far out across the entertainment industry you know where 
in essence, we are the zeitgeist of the moment of creating properties for entertainment. Right. You know, we're either drawing it or we're writing it, you know, and, and that we're getting to that point that we can start to make decisions about it. You know, and I think working in this media landscape, we love comic books, but we all love TV and we all love animation and we all love movies. And there is a string attached through all of these like mediums. And comic books is it's like a fundamental place to be, and you can extend out and do all of those yes, things. Everything. So that means this you know, is the seed. I yeah, see comic books as, as the seed. Yeah. And, and in fact, the more distribution <clears throat> channels we have in general. Whether it's like the, the Netflix or Amazon, anyone that's producing original content means that that system has been broken apart. You need more individual captains to create their own material, to own their own IPs. That is what the future is. Sure. The rest of these structures have been set up to now work in, in union with us, you right, know, where right. we are respected creators. Well, we can be as long as you put it out there and you believe in it and you, sure. you write the shit out of it, you draw the shit out of it, you, you put out something good, people will respond. And then those other opportunities open up. So I think it's time for people like us to take those experiences. Marvel and DC will always be there, man. Yeah. There'll always be cats that are that are going to draw because they're coming in and they love it. And there's always going to be a history. There's and, always something to do there. Yeah, like yeah. I have fun working for Marvel. I, it's just not. I don't want my whole career to just be right. that. No, no, no. And and it's time for us as just individuals to exercise what what, what we bring, the value that we bring as creators, as storytellers, you know, and be able to kind of present it to the audience and have a piece of it, you know, and, right. and, and, and no time in the history of our existence have we had this opportunity. And I think it's actually really amazing. And it's very creatively um, healthy. right? Yeah. Now. Yeah. And I, in fact, I'm looking to throw myself kind of back into the industry, not even as like a professional, but just, just as like a, creator. a, as a creator and yeah. as a, as a fan, as a supporter of yeah, like awesome. all these awesome artists. Like, like I said, you know, you're kind of like, I'm really glad, you know, that, that we met a few times and yeah, you know, actually and, that brings me to a question I wanted to ask you since going through your history, I met you and tell me if this is, if there, if this mm-hmm. is how it went down. Uh, we were, I was represented by Cadence comic art at one point, mm-hmm. Apollo. Yes. And I guess he was working in a comic shop. Yes. And you came in and kind of found out who he is and who he represents and said that you wanted to talk to me and Murphy because of what we were doing with inks. Yes. So that went down like that. Yes. Oh, okay. Because yes. then Paula related to me. Yeah. I was a huge fan of what you were oh, doing. Wow. Okay. Huge fan. I mean, that fan, the first Fantastic Four thing, awesome, I just, man. I had it on my desk every day. Like, awesome, man. I even said to Axel, I was like, can we ever get Juan to color me? Because oh, I love right. what he's doing. I remember that. that and we that talked you actually about it. mentioned it. And, and he I, even oh. said to me, he's like, you know what? You guys would probably really click well together. He's like, you might want to think about thumbnailing something for him. Mm-hmm. Because that was an area where he felt I was very proficient mm-hmm. that, that could build on what you were doing. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah, that so okay, cool. So then we met because of that, yeah. and and got in touch with it. Yeah, okay. that's how uh, that little like sketchbook um, kind of email chain that was right, going around right, for, for right. a while. And I think that's because we, you know, I think we shared some some art, and I, yeah. it was from there that and I, we, I think we, we met sent a few emails yeah, a couple of years ago. And then we met in person a couple. But this is actually the first time I think that we're kicking. Well, yeah, it, we've like, really sat down and chatted talking, this time. And, absolutely. You know, which is which is great for me because like the the, the timing is. You know, I'm definitely like at a crossroads with this, you know, and this helps to galvanize me for this because. Oh, this- dude, this is helping me so much. <laughs> I mean, just awesome, this, man. I, I last night I had such anxiety. I was like, I'm getting ready to leave the security mm-hmm. of benefits and salary to go do a creator own book. And 
a month ago, I was like, that sounds insane, but it's exactly right. Wow. And like, then last night, I was like, is it right? You know, because <laughs> my, my school, I thought, was going to cut my, my benefits earlier than yeah. I anticipated. But this morning, I get an email that that's not true. And okay. then talking to you today, I'm like, no, this is the right fucking path. Yeah. And I feel the same way, though. Yeah, like, that's great. Like, I'm, that's I'm, great. I'm here debating, like, because I told you today about this, like, that I'm... You know, I haven't shown anyone. Any I know, of, and, I know. Any I'm, of this, I'm glad you showed of it to this me. like new work that I've been working on, and I really believe in it, and I really want to do it right. So this is a you know I wasn't expecting to to drop this or even talk about it, but I, I'm really happy the way this whole thing went because I do feel that I, I want to be a part of this industry and I want to yeah. support and I want and you like, should be. I mean, yeah, I well, love, you are a part yeah. of it, but looking at the work you're doing, you're an important part of it. And when you get this thing out, everyone will be seeing so. even further why. I, I, I want to, you know, I want to have fun and tell a story, you know, and, and work on this craft of ours and get better at it. Yeah. You know? And I want to have some consistency, you know, and hopefully, you know, then the near future will like provide that. And I, I think this forum helps. I think there's more of us out there that, that we can unify and talk. No doubt. Because, you know, inf- information is a powerful thing. To That's be able what this to, podcast yeah, is to yeah, absolutely, to do. man. All right, last question. I, I don't know if you've listened to enough to know my, my same last question. I know the answer, but we need to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Um, punk rock, metal, or hip-hop, which one or combination of played an influence in your childhood and artistic okay. development? Punk rock. Oh, okay. okay. Well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm laying them out again. Okay, punk, punk rock, rock, metal, hip-hop. Metal, hip-hop. Okay. I just find that those there's, are the three that touch on almost everyone in our there's industry. There's a, a specific order. Okay. First, it was hip-hop, metal, punk rock. Okay. That, that was actually my, my, my trail. So I was hip-hop. I grew up rap, hip-hop. I thought that's all there was. Okay, like what era are you talking about This there? is now Like one DMC, early, early, Cool J? Yeah, 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 yeah. Early Day 80s. Day-to-day, nightmares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then... Then I in junior high school I hit like my rock phase. Yeah, and that was like Bon Jovi and right. ACDC and the, <laughs> uh, Iron Maiden. Sure. You know, so that was hardcore. And then when I went to the high school of art and design, that's when I got into like Sid Vicious. And okay. Johnny Rotten. We and, have like, a, exactly <laughs> similar path, yeah. but the ages are different because <clears throat> we're the same age. Okay. Hip hop definitely when it right. first hit. Run DMC, right. LL Cool J, Dana Dane, yep. Schoolie D, all that Absolutely. stuff. Then it was definitely metal when I was in middle school. Okay. You I'm know, it was, it was that age uh, where Van Halen, yep. Motley Crue, yep, yep. Uh, that got me into Ozzy and Black Sabbath <laughs> yes. and all that stuff. Then at about 14, mm-hmm. I discovered punk rock. Nice. And Just about the same. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And that's High when school. I got deep into punk and hardcore. Nice. But what happened to me was, and I, I don't want to go in the long version because I think I've told it is, I was deep into punk rock and art in high school. And I sat next to, um, I was a tiny little skater kid. Mm-hmm. And I sat next to a giant black football player guy. <laughs> and we had a lot of fun talking. And I remember one day realizing, you know, you know I was talking about my music mm-hmm. and he was talking about his music. And we're saying the same thing. Anti-establishment, mm-hmm. uh, educational, simple, steady rhythms, yeah. simple rhyme schemes. Um, and I was like, wait, this sounds like the same thing. He said, you go make me a mixtape. I'll go make you a mixtape. 
This is uh, probably about uh, 88. Uh-huh. He comes back, hands me um, Boogie Down Productions, Criminal Minded. Nice. EPMD, Strictly Business, Public Enemy, Uzi Weighs a Ton. Uh, and I, I gave him a bunch of stuff. I, was right, just, right. I don't remember. But that shit changed me. So then that was a like a second roundabout. That's when hip hop like became the 90s. my drug. Yeah. Right. Well, even before well, I mean, the late eighties. Yeah. I mean, I could not stop listening to those records. Nice. Ever. I was like, kid. this is awesome. And then of course it grew from there. And I did have like a, a new wave phase in that hip hop phase, mm-hmm. but from then on it was all hip hop. Nice. Even to this day. Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. Nice. So, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> talk to me about hip hop. What, what What are some of your favorite acts? What, well, what does it you know, and, do and for you? It's actually interesting. I mean, I can get specific, but I, I think int- more recently, I've actually become more interested in hip hop, like the full culture of it, and you know, getting to like travel over the last few years and going to different places. It's just fascinating to me how like hip hop is really like the universe that that I'm like trolling in, you know, that I'm right. like everything is like hip hop, you know, and it's but it's almost like, you know, it's still like the pseudo graph scene, it's like the DJ scene, it's the B-boy scene. So it's these like early early elements of hip hop for me that have sort of reintroduced like the cultural aspect of it. Uh-huh. You know, cuz I think I think growing up when I first got into into like rap or hip hop I just didn't know enough to not know that it wasn't always around. Right. I think I had just always thought, oh, this is like the music that's always around. And then sometimes you think that maybe things fade away or whatever, and you get into other things and other cultural aspects. And then here you go, you you come revisit this this whole thing 30 plus fucking years later, and it's like one of the most dominant cultures in the world. For me, it wasn't always around. mm -hmm. I I can remember very specifically it crept into suburbia and Mm -hmm. spread like wildfire. Wow. Okay. Like I, I can remember it, it was around the time Beat Street came mm-hmm. out. That that took over everything for us. Break dancing. Mm-hmm. I was the mm-hmm. graffiti guy. Yeah. Like we all had yeah. I was Ramo. I yeah. mean everyone had their role. And uh and that didn't exist before. And we had mm-hmm. an AM station. I've even spoken about this before where I would just it was uh thirteen sixty W E B B out of Washington and I would just record just everything and wow. just, just I couldn't get enough of it. That's awesome, dude. I mean, all those same acts that you know, I started with those. The, obviously, the early ones is you know, the L Cool J's and mm-hmm. the, the very, very, very beginning. Same acts that 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 you got into, and then like later on, I got really into like a lot of underground stuff. Yeah, I did too. Uh, a lot of mixtapes. What stuff, year are you talking? Of, well, I'm talking about even up till till now. Yeah, I, I yeah, follow yeah. like like I, I still so- follow. I, I have my DJ friends recommend. Okay. You know, like a lot of like cool shit. So I get like a lot of mixtapes from from. So I still I'm very much. I love like un, like underground hip hop. I love freestyle battles. I love I love watching a lot of the like raw stuff. Same thing with like b boying and right. And I'm DJing. wondering if your underground is stuff I've never even heard of. I I consider myself. It, in it's tune gotten with to it. the point where my friends are recommending like local cats on okay. SoundCloud. Okay. Like yo, you need to listen to this fucking well, like cat. Like who? Uh, well, there's this one dude right now I'm listening to named Shirt. Um, okay. He's on SoundCloud, as far as I know. He's fucking nasty, dude. He's, right, yeah, he's from Queens, and he's like he's like a graph writer, who's like an MC, 
you know. So and and you're also seeing like that too, where a lot of yeah, that's become popular. Yeah, you know, where like a lot of these things are like overlapping and, and fusing, you know. So then I go, you know, and then like I got into some of like the hip hop scene in in Asia or you know, like yeah, some of the yeah, music you're, that's being made in, in Korea, you know. Sure. And even when I was like in Europe, a few, you know, like more like early 2000s, uh-huh. you know, it seems that hip hop is always kind of been the the zone that I can find myself comfortable in. Yeah. And it, there's always some scene. There really is. Yeah, Anywhere yeah, I go, true. there's like a hip-hop scene. It's here to Let's stay. go to a club. There's yeah. a DJs. Like, in fact, it's. I would say that that part of hip-hop has a stronger bond globally than like New York. Like yes. New York is super all kinds of different things. You know? Right, right. But right. You, you can't say that New York is like... I mean, New York is hip-hop. You've got Jay-Z. No, but, you got, right, right. But I, I know Germany and all oh, yeah. over Europe is huge. Yeah. And, and in Asia, it's huge. There, there's a lot of little pockets. And so I find it really, you know... I, so I started listening to, like, hip-hop hard again, you know, going back to, like, my... The classics of my De La Souls, mm-hmm, my sure. Black Stars. Sure. The Roots, you know. Oh, there was yeah. that, that, like, really golden era as well. I so. think the Roots... Dropped an album, I want to say it was two or three years ago, that I think is one of the best hip-hop records ever, ever recorded. Um, How I Got Over. This was like way before they started doing like, uh, this is, wait, their last album or? I don't Two remember. albums ago. Okay. Recent. I actually don't have that one. Okay. This album, How I Got Over, I'm pretty sure is it. Yeah. It is from beginning to end. One song in a way. Nice. They recorded it live with no breaks. So the band leads into the first song and that leads into the second song. And and it very specifically gets across ideas of what Black Thought is wrestling with now. It is musically brilliant. Because you imagine them, if one person fucks up 45 minutes into this record... We got to go back and start because they got to play the whole thing continuous. Yeah. No, I, I I think the the that's a piece of music. Yeah. And but not not just because of that, it's my favorite Roots album, song for song. It's right. their best. All right. I it's need to. I, I need to. I felt like thing. every other Roots album had highs and lows. Okay. This is highs. All right. This is everything I thought they could be. Like right. I always felt like the Roots never lived up to the potential of what they could be. At, they did at moments. But not consistently. You know what? They're a fascinating subject. Because I, I, th- I think in many circles, like, Black Thought's got to be one of the top three MCs of all time. Without a doubt. Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, but I, I feel know. like there are times where what he was doing wasn't rhythmically meshing mm. with the music that the Roots were doing. Okay. You, you, you're going to put me on a Roots kick again now. I, Listen I, to this album, I, I man. Go, you're not uh, going to be yeah, able to stop. I need to catch up then. Okay. Okay. Because, yeah. I, you know, honestly, after Illadelph Half-Life... Yeah, I kind of got away because that the the record after that, I was like, eh, okay, I've been waiting yeah. for a while for them to pull it off. Like the Fugees' first album, yeah, I was like, that's right. they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna create something magic. Mm-hmm. It's not their first album. The score, boom, yeah, redefines hip hop. Yeah. All right, cool. We can talk about this forever. <laughs> no, no, absolutely, man. Well, yeah, I got hip hop pretty much on the playlist every day. So, yeah, yeah, me you too. know, it's it's part of my. You know, fighting music. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah to, me too. To get dude, me going, it, it dude. keeps you going when you're down, <laughs> yeah. man. That and then, you know, like listening to people talk, podcasts. So Yeah, podcast while I'm working. Yeah. I can't do music while I work. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I can't. I tried. Um, 
you know, everyone's like, I'm going to go put some tunes on and draw. I can't. Really? I've tried with everything. What does everything. it do? Does it, 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 it strains your mind? It fights really? with my brain. Like, because you're listening to the lyrics. You're, right. You're focusing on, listen, on Right, and what they're the saying, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah, and, you see, I, I kind of channel it out at that point. And I but just also the, the music, beat. the rhythms of the music fight with the rhythms of my brainwave really? in a way that I'm like, but I can listen to dialogue night and day. And I can listen to podcasts where I talk about deep life shit, yeah, 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 and it doesn't yeah. get in the way of my work because that yeah. music isn't interfering with it. Interesting. I mean, I definitely uh, like it, it's. Tr- I, I don't think I'll work to music like ten hours in a row. Yeah, it'll maybe be to get something started, a break in the middle of the day. I'll throw on like like an album or something. But for, but for the most part, I listen to people talking. And yeah, that's right. especially where you're in that nitty gritty when you're just just pencil and inking, pencil and inking. Yeah, like when I'm like, when I'm in the zone creating. It's it's a Zen mind yeah, state. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's calm, it's flowing. But when I'm got hip hop or metal just mm. jamming, I'm not calm. I'm yeah. hype. Yeah, and I, I, I work in silence too. I I, I, can I can't in, do that. I can work. In I silence can't be aware for, of my my presence. Yeah, it's it's not all the time, but but I'll find myself like laser focus. On, yeah. on something. I laser. Like, fo- I I kind of need that <clears throat> noise to get my laser focus. But I, yeah, music and stuff like that, I don't, I'm, it doesn't really bother me. When I was like painting and doing stuff, like yeah, I, I could see that where you're just that was just throwing the music, roll yeah. the blunt, and like you know, boom. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So word, man. All right, cool. Well, I think we've gone a good long bit here. Yo, thank you. Yeah, definitely, dude. No, thank you. Thanks for being so open and honest about everything. Thank you for giving me the opportunity, brother. All right, mate. Yo, appreciate Thanks. it. All right, that's that. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I'm glad I, I got to know JDZ better. And uh, this podcast has made made another friend for me. Uh, I found his story fascinating, just like his artwork. And uh, I don't know. I hope you enjoyed that. I will see you in July with Sanford Green and the first part of my two-parter with Jason Latour. Like I said in the last episode, I'd really like you guys, if you like this, to help spread the word. Let's see if we can bring in some new listeners. At this point, I've got a, a, a catalog, not a big one, but a catalog of episodes. So if anyone's to discover this they've got a good 20 something episodes to to listen to and uh that's a few days worth of work if they're drawing so it seems like two a month is is a good spot i can't do one a week i just don't have the time to put it together to conduct the interviews so this is the most I can do, and this is a job at, at this point, doing two a month. But I enjoy it. Other people are enjoying it. So please just help spread the word. Go on iTunes. Subscribe. Leave feedback. Leave comments. Give it some stars. Whatever you got to do. And look, if you don't like it, that's fine. My experience before... Well, here's, here's the thing about the internet. I think when you're a huge success, you get a lot of hate. But 
when you're a smaller success, you get a lot of love. And I am getting a lot of love through the internet. But I, I look at like, I don't know, pop stars and people, they just get destroyed. It's it's just there's there's a poison going on, like Public Enemy said. There's a poison going on where people would say things on the internet that they would never say to a person's face. And it's just, it's gross. And, and it breeds a toxicity in, in our culture that's just disgusting. I don't understand the need to go on the internet and just drop hate. And I, I realize I've probably done it at some point. But I hope not in a while. And I really try not to. There's nothing constructive. It's more about that person saying, hey, pay attention to me. Let me show you why I'm smarter than that person that everyone likes. And like I said, I know that because I'm probably guilty of it as well. But I'm working on it. So can you? I'm in the groove now, so I'm like giving it my own shit now. All right. Could the drummer have some, y'all? Could the drummer have some more? Said the drummer ain't had none in a long time. Come on, drummer. Bring that beat back, Bring man. That beat back. Bring that beat back, Bring man. That beat back. ポリンスフォーメーション。ポスンダムもいるじゃんよ。英語でなんだか言ってるよ。ラップをしてみろと。午後に実スタジオ入ろうけ。ピチギな僕らもちオンタイム。え、でもなんか誰一人来ちゃ